Let the church say amen again. Amen. <clears throat> this is a day that the Lord has made. God is good. And all the time. And His mercy endures forever. We at Harvest Community Church are a community of worshipers committed to Christ, commissioned to serve, and called to pray without ceasing. If you would, really quickly, go ahead and get your Bibles or your electronic devices and turn to Luke 23. If you don't have your Bible, go ahead and stand up. Well, it should be up on the screen. Luke 23, and we're going to read verses 32 through 43. If you have it, say amen. If you don't, say wait a minute. Uh, I won't look at the screen. No, just kidding. <laughs> amen. Verse 32 of Luke 23. There were also two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. And the people stood looking on, but even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription also was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals who was hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you're the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing that you're under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Father God, we ask that you would speak to us through your word today. We ask, Father, through the spoken word, that Jesus Christ would be lifted up. And as we lifted up Him up, Father, we pray that we would see Him. And as we see Him, we pray we would believe on Him. And as we believe on Him, we pray that we would be saved. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Won't you say, Amen, Amen, amen and Amen. You may be seated. For the next few minutes, I want to talk on the subject, cross-talk. Cross-talk. How Jesus Christ's death on the cross helps me today. Cross-talk. How Jesus Christ's death on the cross helps me today. I, too, was like Reverend Ron. I did not grow up in a Christian home, and nor did I go to church a lot. I was one of those neighborhood boys that lived right next door to a church, and my mother had enough sense to send my brother and me next door to church occasionally. And at 10 years old, 
I invited Jesus Christ to come into my life and I was baptized, but that didn't mean I was a church person. However, that little church, Progressive Missionary Baptist Church on Alcatraz Avenue in Berkeley, California, was the place where I first was introduced to Jesus. And I fell in love with black preaching. Not, not necessarily just black preaching, but old black preaching. I love to hear the old preachers preach. I got saved under Pastor Stovall, who was there, and his assistant pastor is pastor now, Reverend Stuckey, who was there at Progressive, Progressive Missionary Baptist Church on Alcatraz Avenue in Berkeley, California. I would rather hear uh, E.V. Hill preach than most anybody else. I'd love to hear E.K. Bailey preach or A.L. Patterson. I love black preaching. And a number of years ago, I was introduced to uh, 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 a man by the name of S.M. Lockridge. Uh, S.M. stands for Shadrach, Meshach. Uh, you know you're old when you get two Old Testament biblical names like Shadrach, Meshach. But he has a very, very popular and well-known message entitled, My King. And this is just an excerpt. He goes on to say that Jesus is the miracle of the age. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available to the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. He's the master of the mighty. He's the captain of the conquerors. He's the head of the heroes. He's the leader of the legislators. He's the overseer of the overcomers. He's the governor of governors. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. And then S.M. Lockridge would stop and say, do you know him? I don't, I, I don't know if you're telling me the truth. Do you know him? And then he would go on and describe Jesus in these flowery terms. And, and the more I listen, the more I wish I could preach like that. The more I wish, wish that I had just memorized all of those things about Jesus and to be able to let them come out of my mouth rather than read them on a page. Well, men and women, I want to ask you, do you know him? Do you know him? We're living in a day and age, especially in church, where people know preachers. And people know quotes and people know memes and people know TikTok videos and people know Instagram posts. But do we know Jesus? We're living in a day and age where it's easier to quote a pastor that you've seen on TV than to recall a verse that you've just read in your devotion. And for the next three weeks, I want to talk on the subject, cross talks. Do you know him well enough to share him with a family member or a friend or a co-worker? Do you know Jesus well enough to talk about 
a story that you have read in the Gospels and explain it to that individual that you're trying to witness to. Do we know Jesus and are we so filled up with Him that when we have the opportunity and God gives us many, are we able to share? And I'm convicted that one of our members told me a number of weeks ago, Pastor Mike, when we were at the storefront, you equipped us to share the gospel with others. You you hadn't talked about equipping us now. And I'm not real sure if, number one, we know how to share our faith and make it practical. And number two, I, I don't know if your lack of talking about this has communicated that it's no longer a priority. And so, men and women, for the next three weeks, I want to talk about cross talks. Talking about the cross. And as we read the passage, Miss Carmen, you'll recognize that there are two of the last sayings of Jesus in the passage. One is, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And the other is at the end of the passage we read, which says, Assuredly, today you'll be with me in paradise. Probably one of the most significant and one of the most moving worship services that we've had in the past year was our Good Friday uh, Seven Last Sayings of Jesus worship service. One of the reasons why it was so inspiring is because we had fresh preachers who gave fresh words. But not just that. It was because they took us to the cross. And men and women, we cannot share with people in the marketplace unless we take them to the cross. And we're living in a day and age where we've taken things for granted as if people know who Jesus was. As if people uh, already have an understanding that He was born of the Virgin, that He suffered under Pontius Pilate, that He had twelve disciples, that He healed and taught, that He had a purpose for coming, that He died on the cross to pay the penalty for sin. A lot of people have no idea that Jesus Christ was a real person that lived 2,000 years ago. And it is not a fairy tale that we believe in. We believe in a real Jesus that was born in Bethlehem, that grew up in Nazareth, that ministered in Galilee, that gathered 12 men around Him who followed Him and made a difference in the first century. We serve a Jesus who not only died on a cross and was buried, but we serve a Jesus who rose again on the third day. And I don't know about you, but when the gospel was shared with me, I had enough information about Jesus. I went to church just enough to know the stories. I went to church just enough to have a background that when that individual started talking about the significance of Jesus' death on the cross, for me that he died in my place, in my stead, to pay the penalty for my sin, that he might redeem me. I had enough information where I embraced that truth and placed my faith in Jesus Christ. My goal for the next few weeks or three weeks is to, to, to give you some ammunition, crosstalks, because it, you might have in your mind, I, I, I want to apply what the pastor has said and I want to live out the Bible, so I'm going to invite a coworker to lunch and we're going to have a crosstalk. 
Or when I'm at that family gathering and we're sitting around the table and all of a sudden uh, we start bad-mouthing church and bad-mouthing preachers, I can shift that conversation to Jesus and have a cross talk. Or you're getting in a debate with some friends about the validity of Jesus or Islam or Judaism or, or, or as the young people call it, the universe. You can talk about Jesus, not in a confrontational way, but in a devotional, testimonial way. Well, I don't know what y'all believe, but this is what I believe and why. Cross talks. What Jesus says on the cross here is he communicates with this one criminal. You know the story. Jesus is being led to Calvary. He is crucified, and the scripture says that there were three crosses on Calvary, not just one. That there was a criminal to his right, there was a criminal to his left. And the, the, the Bible says, not here in this passage, but the Bible says that both of them were sneering at him and blaspheming him. And something happened to one of them. One of them, as, as the other says, if you're the Christ, why don't you deliver yourself and us from this cross? The other criminal says, listen, you don't know what you're talking about. We are getting the consequences or receiving the consequences of our own actions. We deserve what, what is happening to us. But this man here has done nothing wrong. And then he says to Jesus, Jesus, when you enter into your kingdom, what I want you to do is to remember me. And Jesus says, assuredly, I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. Well, I believe that this situation here, this situation with Jesus and the criminals, this situation on the cross gives us three talking points, gives us three cross talks. Three ways in which we can share with our co-workers depending on the situation that they find themselves in. Because many uh, of the people that we talk to feel like their situation is too big. Many of them feel like that their sin is too much. Or if they're older, they feel like their surrender is too late. And so point number one, I want to show you how this passage teaches us that our situations aren't too big. They're not too big. The scripture says there were also two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. You know, many of the people that we come into contact with feel like uh, Jesus or Christianity or God, that, 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 that's good for perfect folk. That's good. That's so idealistic. But God doesn't understand my situation. God doesn't understand what I'm going through. God doesn't understand how difficult it is for me. You see, my situation is too big for all that God stuff, all that Jesus stuff that you're talking about. I've got financial situations that you know nothing about. I've got family situations that, that, that you, would, you would shake in your boots if you knew about what was going on in my life. I've got relationship problems. 
I've got issues and concerns. I've been in fights. I, I'm about to lose my job and lose my home. I've got all kinds of things going on in my life with my marriage and with my children. My situation is too big. Well, the situation here is that there are two men who have been convicted of stealing. They were thieves, and evidently what they stole or what they did was so great that the punishment was death. They're being led to be crucified. They're being led to be nailed to a cross to die a sinner's death. Their situation was so much bigger than anything that we can imagine. Some of us who have health concerns, some of us who, who, who have, have gotten that diagnosis and, and it's not good and, and the doctor has maybe given us a certain amount of time, only those folks can really understand the situation that these men are going through because in a few short hours, they're going to be gone. What do you tell them? I believe that we can tell our coworkers, hey, your situation isn't too big, because in this situation, there's some things that we know. Let me tell you what we don't know first. What we don't know is that when we say God is bigger than your situation or your situation ain't too big, what we're not saying is he's always going to deliver you out. These folk going to die. In a few hours, they're going to die. What we're not saying is that necessarily that he is going to take you out of the situation or no longer make the situation a, 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 a discomfort for you. If you understand what I'm saying, say amen. amen. But there are two things I think that we can guarantee people when they talk about their situations. Number one, God is going to walk with you through it. And number two... God may deliver you into the hands of God. He may deliver you into the hands of God. And, and there are two things that I think that, that help me. Number one, I can be certain that whatever I'm going through, whatever situation I find myself in, God has a purpose for it. We may not see the purpose for it. We may not know the purpose for it. We may not understand the purpose for it. But I guarantee you, God has a purpose for the situation that you are going through, all you have to do is find it. And then number two, you can be certain of his presence. Look down at verse 32. It says there were also two others, criminals, who were led with him. He was walking with the criminals to the cross. He was with them. And then it goes on to say in verse 33, And there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. Jesus was right in the middle of their situation. He was with them. Kind of reminds me of Psalm 23, 4, where it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Kind of reminds me of Isaiah 41:10, where it says, Fear not, for I am with you. Kind of reminds me of Matthew 28 where he says, I am with you to the end of the age. Kind of reminds me of Hebrews 13.5 where Jesus says, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. I can't guarantee you that he's going to deliver you out. But I can guarantee you that he's going to be with you. 
I can guarantee you that you can see his purpose eventually and you'll see his presence. Years ago, someone connected to our church had a little girl who died a crib death. Matter of fact, it was so sudden and so shocking that the family was just devastated. I decided I would practice the ministry of showing up. And so I went to that graveside funeral, that graveside service, smallest casket I have ever seen in my life. As I was driving to Elmwood Cemetery, Reverend Ron, I was thinking uh, and praying for this pastor. What is this pastor going to say? What is this pastor going to communicate to, to comfort this grieving family? How do you tell just a number of weeks old, not months old, weeks old. They still count weeks for this little baby girl. And I get to Elmwood, I park my car and go to the graveside service. It's packed around there so that everybody can't even get under the tent. And there was an older pastor, I love old pastors, with, with wisdom. And I'm praying, Lord, what is he going to say? And he gets up, and I don't know if the pause was for divine pause or whether or not the pause was for him to pray. I believe it was he was praying. And the first words out of his mouth was, whether seven weeks or 70 years, this little baby fulfilled God's purpose for which she was created. She fulfilled God's purpose in your life for these seven weeks. We don't know why he took her to go home to be with him, but what we do know is that she fulfilled her purpose. What we do know is that he created her for a purpose. And what we do know is he will fulfill the purpose that he has planned in your life and mine. I left there with my back a little straighter. I, I, I walked to my car uh, with, with a little lighter because I had just heard a word from the Lord. And I'm telling you that people on your job, People in your family, people in your community near a need to hear a word from God during difficult times. You need to be able to tell them with confidence your situation ain't too big. It's not too big for God. I remember in the Old Testament where the Lord appeared to Abram and, and, and Sarah. And he said, you're going to get ready to have a son. And Sarah lied, laughed at, 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 at the Lord. And, and, and he said, well, why are you laughing? And she, she got a little nervous and said, I didn't laugh. She said, but you did laugh. And then he says to her, is anything too difficult? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Men and women, I believe that that is a message that needs to, that's a cross talk. Here Jesus is dying on the cross. And not only... Not only is he giving words, but he's giving powerful words about the situation. That I'm with you in your death. I'm with you although you're a criminal. I'm with you in your situation. I'm crucified with you. I'm walking with you to Calvary. I'm hanging with you. I'm communicating with you. Your situation ain't too big. But number two, your, your sin ain't too much. Your sin ain't too much. Look at verse 40 and 41. It says the other one, after the, the, the one rebuked Jesus and says, hey, hey, you know, save us. 
The other one answering says, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive our due, re- due, due reward of our deeds. And then down in, uh, up in verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The forgiveness of Jesus is more significant than we can ever imagine. Jesus has healed and taught. Jesus has raised people from the dead. Jesus has walked on water. Jesus has fed 5,000 people. Jesus has taught people how to love one another. Jesus has brought people together. Jesus has healed homes. Jesus has done all of this to some of the same people that nailed him to the cross. Some of the same people that beat him until his back was just shreds of flesh, beat him and whipped him and crucified him and then are going to mock him while he's dying. And Jesus says, and he looks down at them, and his first words from the cross are, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They didn't know they were crucifying the Lord of glory. They didn't know the significance of it. But not only that, notice what's happened here. That many of the people that we come in contact with feel like church people are perfect. Or church people live these idealistic lives. Or church people ain't done the same thing that they've done. Oh, you, you, you never drunk until you, till, till you got so drunk or drank until you got so drunk that you didn't even know how you got home that night. You, you, you never got so high that you didn't even know what time of day it was. Or, or, or you hadn't fought, fist fought a family member in your own house. You're supposed to love them and you fist fighting with them, calling them all like, they, they don't think that we've done some of the same stuff. Maybe y'all hadn't. You're looking at me like that. Don't look at me like that. Yeah, maybe y'all hadn't. But the issue becomes, we've got to help people understand your sin ain't too much. It's a trustworthy statement, worthy of full acceptance, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of which I'm chief. I'm the biggest one there is. Now, are we giving people a license to sin? No. But we're saying is, you are not irredeemable. You can be saved. Notice what this fellow did in verse 41. It says, we receive the due reward of our deeds. Hey, acknowledge this sin. You got to say, hey, your sin isn't too big and too much. Just acknowledge, Lord, I've been in sin. But not only that, notice what happens in verse 41. Again, it says, this man has done nothing wrong. You acknowledge Jesus' holiness. He's holy. This man has done nothing wrong. And then you receive his forgiveness when he prays to the Father. Father, forgive him. For they don't even know what they're doing. God's grace is bigger than your sin. God's mercy is bigger than your rebellion. And God's love is bigger than your faults, your failures, and your frailties. God's love is bigger. God forgives. God not only gives, but He forgives. It is wiped clean. God says in the Psalms that as far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. If you were to travel north, there would be a point where you would travel north where all of a sudden you're going south. If you were traveling south, you could go so far south that at a point you'd be traveling north. 
But if you travel east, you're going to keep going east. If you travel west, you're going to keep going west. East and west don't meet. So as far as from the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. The scripture says that he has put them in a bag and dropped them in the sea. He says that he don't even look at them no more. He, he says that our sin is like the sin that the priest would put on the scapegoat and put out in the wilderness where it'd be gone and never to be seen ever again. God isn't angry with you because of your sin. God isn't holding back with you because of your sin. The blood of Jesus Christ makes us clean. And the blood of Jesus Christ heals us and redeems us so that we come to God. Your sin isn't too much. People need to hear that. People, Maybe somebody here needs to hear that. No, he doesn't give you a license to sin. But he says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And I'll close with this on this point. Hey, one aspect is, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They don't know what they're doing. The other is, Father, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. Because what they meant for evil, you're making out for They don't know. They think they're killing me. What I'm doing is redeeming them. They think they're sacrificing me and murdering me and shutting me up. The whole world's going to know. They think that they are stopping me. I'm just getting started. They think that this is the end. This is just the beginning. Because sin is finished. I'm putting death to death. They don't know what they're doing. I'm getting ready to bust this thing wide open. Not only is their situation, your situation isn't too big and your sin isn't too much. Point number three, people need to know that your sin render isn't too late. It's not too late. Now, I believe that today is the day of salvation. The same way that we don't give people a license to sin, we shouldn't give people a license to wait. Because today, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. But the other thing I believe in is deathbed confessions. I believe that, that if you confess the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord during your last breath, your last breath on this earth, Your next breath is going to be in glory. To be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. For some of us, we're so hard, and God has been breaking through. God has been breaking through. And the last time he ultimately breaks through is at the end of your life. Notice what he says. Jesus said to him, Lord, he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. Get the picture. Two criminals walking with Jesus to Calvary. Two criminals who are crucified with Jesus. Two criminals who are blaspheming and mocking Jesus while they're on the cross. Two criminals that hear Jesus say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Two criminals who have experienced the grace of God and heard the grace of God and been in the presence of the grace of God, Jesus. Two criminals that experience the same thing. But one criminal's heart gets hardened and the other criminal's heart gets softened. 
And the one who has a softened heart, God has been working in his heart, working in his heart, working in his heart. He confesses we're receiving what what we should receive. But this man has done nothing wrong. And Jesus, when you enter into your kingdom, what I want you to do is remember me. And Jesus says, assuredly, today you'll be with me. In paradise. What I'd like you to see is that it required nothing of the man except believing on Jesus to be saved. Required nothing. Notice in the text. See, you tell me if I'm wrong, but this man had no time to walk down a church aisle. He had no time to be baptized. He had no time to complete the new members class. He had no time to receive Holy Communion. He had no time to attend Sunday school, no time to attend Bible study, no time to be active in ministry, and no time to tithe or give. Jesus said today, you'll be with me in paradise because for by grace you've been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, lest any man should boast. It's the gift of God. And he gave him the gift. And you'll notice, the thief had in mind some distant time in the future. Jesus told him today. Today. The thief had in mind, uh, 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 just remember me. Jesus said, you're going to be with me. I ain't just going to remember you, you're going to be with me. The thief looked only for a kingdom. And Jesus promised him paradise. Men and women, I believe that we need to have some cross talks. We need to have some cross talks with some folk. Folk don't know. Folk don't know how great it is. Folk don't know how glorious it is. Folk don't know how, uh, how wonderful it is. Folk don't know Jesus the way we know Jesus. Folk think that their situation is too big. It's not. Folk think that their sin is too much. It's not. Folk think that their surrender might be too late. It's not. Because God is a God who loves. I serve a risen Savior who's in the world today. You ask me how I know he lives. Because he lives. He lives. He lives. He lives inside of me. And I believe that that, that the gospel hadn't failed. It just really hadn't been tried. I believe that we need to have some cross talks with folk. I believe that they need to stop believing the hype. I need to think that they need to stop getting off social media and hearing all of the opinions and the voices that, 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 that from, from other folks. They need to hear from the Word of God. It requires us. How are they going to know uh, unless they have a preacher? And, and, and how are they going to have a preacher unless they're sent? And I am sending you right now to your family, to your friends, and to your co-workers who are around you. Just tell them about Jesus. You don't need to have a fight. You do not need to get into some sort of of, of confrontation. You don't need to have an argument. You can say, as Joshua said, if you want to believe that, that's all right with you. If you want to go that way to the way of the world, that's all right. But as for me and my house, as for me and my house, we're going to worship the Lord. All you have to say is, well, I don't know. I don't know anything about what you're sharing, but let me tell you what I believe. I believe that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, what he was communicating is that nobody's situation is too big. 
I believe in the resurrection. I believe that he took care of my sin while he was up there. And I believe that whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your grace and your goodness today. Father, I thank you that your gospel is so much greater than I can preach it. And I pray, Father, that you would penetrate hearts today, that you penetrate minds today to give us the joy of the Lord so that we might be able to share. The scripture says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Father, I pray for friends and family. I pray for co-workers who need to hear this good gospel. I pray, Father, that we would love you and love them enough to share it. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Won't you say amen? Amen. 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 And amen. Thank you for joining us today, and we pray that you've been blessed. For more information about our church, we invite you to either visit our website at harvestcpc.com or call us at 205-853-5033. Until next time, be blessed.